And my name's Una. <laughs> you gonna go here? <laughs> and we're really, really happy to be here. So yeah, um, as Emily was saying, uh, we ho- co-host the United Ireland podcast and the whole buzz with uh, the podcast, which was initially pitched as 32 counties, 32 questions, was actually getting away from the kind of bun fighting type um, antagonistic environment that a lot of people get interviewed in and where a lot of issues get spoken about uh, in the media sphere and actually pull that out and, and make it much more about informing people. Because obviously over the past decade, discourse in Ireland has come on so much in a way I feel that is much more rooted in listening and empathy and people don't necessarily want to be left raging at the television or radio after they uh, hear something. Our 32 question series uh, where we've interviewed um, party leaders and various politicians, often loads of people that we may not necessarily ideologically align with being uh, diplomatic there, um, has has actually allowed uh, us and our listeners to really kind of see and understand um, the human uh, aspect of people behind... Feel their personality and have the crack with them, to be honest, and to see the humanity behind people that actually people always think they're doing the right thing. And no matter what their ideology is and that there's a person behind all of that. So we try to get into the personality and have the crack. Yeah. So um, apparently by the magic of uh, everything, um, Sabina Higgins is going to be joining us uh, for a quick fire which is in a, she's, here. she's she's here. It's like um, a quick fire round of thirty two questions. Turn the camera on. She's here. Oris, um, <laughs> can you turn? Can you turn the camera on? Okay. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh yes, yes, yeah. I can see you. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, hello. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I'm delighted. Yeah. Now, um, I I believe that you've been well prepped in the quick fire aspect uh, of our 32 questions that we're asking you tonight. Uh, Thank you so much for for being in uh, here with us uh, via this technology. It's exciting. Well, you can take into consideration. I'm not as young as I used to be, so I don't know if I can run at that pace, but I'll, <laughs> I'll come along at whatever pace and you can cut me off if, I, if I'm too slow. Okay, let's okay. kick it off. Yeah. What is your morning ritual? Well, in the morning, I put out my hand and turn off the snooze button and then I turn it off again and then I put my legs up in the air oh. and then I bend my knees and then I put my feet out on the floor. I sit at the side of the bed and then I stand up and then I do a bit of yoga and then I do um, what I do. I, I go, I go then and I get, depending on what's happening, if I'm going to an event, I go off and get dressed and put on my makeup, etc. And then I go down and have my breakfast and I'll have a nice, quick one egg scrambled egg or a little bowl of pinhead or meat porridge. And then I go to my office and then I'm there for the day. 
Gotcha. Techie side question. Do you do your own makeup? Of course I do. <laughs> <laughs> what is your idea of perfect happiness? My perfect happiness is clear sky and that I would live in um, um, a, a social, socialist democratic world where all of the sustainable development goals have been achieved and beyond that, and all is well. So we'll have no poverty, no hunger, good health and well-being, um, good quality education, uh, women's, uh, uh, women's equity or women's rights, uh, clean water and sanitation, clean and affordable energy, decent work and economic growth, a, um, industry, uh, infrastructure, um, reduced inequalities, sustainable cities and communities, and um, responsible production and, and production, com cons consumption, and then the actions for climate change on sea and on land, and then peace, justice, strong institutions, and cooperation. And <laughs> world. Paradise regained. <laughs> well said, well said. What? So Dublin then. Uh, <laughs> what was the first book you read that left a lifelong impression on you and why? Well, first of all, uh, I didn't actually read it. I was standing, we were all children sitting up on the table in the, front, in the kitchen where we, our cousins gave us a copy of Little Women and my mother read it and we all hung around <laughs> and we all became all the children. And of course I was Joe and then um, Teddy, whatever. We loved it, Mama March and the whole thing. So that was that, but the real thing now that I look back that really had the influence in my life was Uncle Tom's Cabin. Mm. And I think it must have in all our family because all our family are dedicated to Africa and I've all been there working there and, and there so I'd say you know without knowing it it's been the one that has uh, given his heart and direction Amazing uh, What talent would you most like to have? Oh I would love to be able to sing I would love to be able to sing and I'd love to have a, a, a jazz blues club where we could all sit around <laughs> and weep about our sorrows and unfortunately I can't sing I sing all the time but nobody nobody can listen shocking <laughs> 1798 songs and, and Thomas Moore and and Sergeant Peppers <laughs> no, so um, I sing away but nobody would be listening uh, what do you think has been the greatest achievement in recent Irish history Oh, the, the passing of the referendum for uh, same-sex marriage, without a doubt. Yeah. How do you prepare for your speeches? Uh, well, first of all, I, I like to give speeches on something I'm really interested in promoting and it's important to me, my campaigns. So then I'm all enthusiastic when I say yes to it. And then time goes by and I feel, oh, I'll be able to do this easily. And then I start and I start scribbling thinking I'm writing it down and then I know it's awful. And then I start from another angle and then I'm not happy with that. And then I do it again and cover pages. And next thing is two days ahead of the time, I know I have to, 
I have to concentrate. It's uh, flights are fright, and you can't fly if you're having a date coming up that you have to do. So I stick at it and I go back over what I've written and suddenly it doesn't seem so bad. <laughs> here and there and I put it all together and you know it's fine so then I put a beginning paragraph delighted to be here with you and thanks for inviting me beginning paragraph <laughs> and the end one putting in a bit to motivate people to take part in whatever campaign I'm in so then I am so happy and at two o'clock in the morning I go off to bed <laughs> <laughs> And I get in the morning, then I read it once or twice and that. And then I'm delighted when it goes down well. And then the good campaigning ones I put up on the Aura's website. My good, my good speeches go there. What's your favourite flower? The flower? Oh, the primrose. What is your favourite song? Uh, Raglan Road. My <laughs> song by Luke Kelly for my friend Deirdre O'Connell. And then I also love the red flag the John O'Connor one that he did for the Land League and for the workers. And it also has the air of the Christmas tree. So I could say those two. What do you do to de-stress? Shout at the television. Shout (laughs) at the the people on it. (laughs) Do some Tai Chi if it's to do something that I'm going to do. Then go for a walk, maybe. Uh, If there's radio on, I'll dance to that. And um, always, of course, to have a little read of something, the best thing of all. So that's really, I suppose, what I do. (laughs) Describe your perfect night out. Oh, perfect night out. I would have a great party with all my friends, all my focus family and all my family and all my friends living and dead. And we would have lovely food and music and chat and everything and go on until all hours. Is there any skill or tip you've taken from studying acting that you think serves you well in your current role? Uh, everything that I, <laughs> I, got, I got from my studying with Deirdre O'Connell at the Stanislavski studio. It's the foundation for all my, um, you know, creativity of the tools she gave us to get in touch with our creativity and have a sense of self and know what thinking and it all really. So I, it just prepares me for all my life of activist in politics, in education. And then when Michael became president, it was, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't really, I think, manage, you know, the things I got from that of communication, of feeling no distance between myself and other people that we're all one. So mm. that would be it. Deirdre, um, Deirdre O'Connell was really <laughs> so indebted to her as Ireland is. You were born on the Galway Mayo border. So who do you shout for in football? Way too diplomatic. I shout for both. <laughs> <laughs> What's the secret skill you have? Well, it's a secret, you know. First thing to happen. <laughs> but actually, my secret skill, it really, I think that we all have. Where do we get the thing to, ri- to rise up? As I say in the theatre improvisations, when the curtain is back, you're on. 
what is it that rises up? And you think, oh, the next thing is you're there and you're firing on all cylinders and delighted people. So I think that's, we don't know what the secret is, Jen. but it's a secret. <laughs> what was your favorite item of clothing as a teenager? Oh, my black stockings. Or maybe they were tights, I don't know, but I, in my head it seems they were stockings. <laughs> Your daughter, Alice Mary, is freaking me. We do those that, that stockings. Oh. Say it, sorry again. <laughs> Your daughter, Alice Mary, is frequently cited uh, by other senators as one of the best prepared politicians in the Shannon. Was she always so fastidious? And who does she, she get that was from? Always absolutely brilliant, an extraordinary person, full of creativity and being, she's indefatigable, is what you would call her that she really um, just is, is an ama- amazing person. And she got, you know, she gets her stuff from, we'll say from both of us, but she is just exactly like Michael. They're, they're just same minds that can <laughs> be with each other. So um, that's, that's, uh, that's I love the Alice Mary. What are the different characteristics of new generations of Irish people that you think weren't part of your generation? I don't know. There's so much. I mean, that's the question now. You couldn't have the quick fire when you'd have to go on. <laughs> <laughs> you'd want to cannon together. There's so, so different. Things have changed so much. And particularly with the communication things, with social you know, media and with uh, internet and Everything really has changed. Now, there's a lot more freedom, we'll say, and there's there a lot more, we'll say, for women's sport, and there's a lot more. It's great creativity. I mean, so many people can sing and play music and everything. And at the same time, it's very hard. I mean, the whole neoliberal thing has wrecked the kind of life that people had where you were in a secure job, you know, for life. Now you can go on and get your PhD and you can't get afford a, a, an apartment. And they'll keep talking to you about, you know, getting on the the uh, the, uh, the 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 property ladder. But really, it's in many ways the neoliberal thing, really, what one I could have expected would be for your generations and that was just swiped away from us by Mrs. Thatcher and Reagan and neoliberal enthusiasts in our government, you know. Won't say anything about progressive Democrats. But <laughs> you don't know anything about <laughs> What's your favourite film? Famous what? Your favourite film or film? Oh, well, La Strada would have been. And then I loved the... Um, I had a load of, of you know, um, on the waterfront and Babette's Feast and uh, a lot of lovely, of lovely, lovely films. Yeah. There's a lot of talk about change in Ireland at the moment. What one aspect of society are we failing to address that you think would make people's lives much better if we did it right now? No, oh, we'll just, we all know that. We can have a chorus of housing. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's, it's a disgrace. It's so such a pity that uh, it would change everything. And that is really this whole um, thing of private sector, everything being siphoned off them, when in fact every square inch of publicly owned land 
should go for public housing and apartments and you have security in it. And they, they pretend that people, oh, they wouldn't want to live. People that like security, it's very different to, to rent your place from a local government where you have security for life. And as everybody from ones with MAs, PhDs, they're all in the looking for it. But the notion that they wouldn't want to be, that they'd rather be going to uh, have a, an apartment with a landlord who'll throw you out if the economy changes and he thinks it can get more. So, Kenny report, strategic planning, houses for accommodation, secure homes, homes for everybody. Forget your popular, your, your property ladder. If you could do it all over again, what would you change? Oh, I would actually go refer to, I would call a friend and I would call my friend Omar Khayyam of the Rubaiyat and I would say with him, oh love, could thou and I with fate conspire to grasp this sorry scheme of things entire? Would not we shatter it to bits and then remould it more to the heart's desire? We would stop the, the roll back the history and stop the destruction of our planet that was brought to us. So I owe it for Omer Kayam. <laughs> what book are you reading at the moment? Oh, uh, Any Girl by M M Mia Doring. It's a must read. I'd love to see it in every second of school. You, it's, you know, it was such, such an education of the whole area of sexual relations and of the sex trade and of everything in this wonderful girl who was raped and you never read such an account of a rape as she has in it and then how she uh, is um, groomed by a man and then moves gradually from that into being a sex worker and all of it comes in she doesn't know that she's traumatized and it's suddenly she sees something of some woman and she realizes that she was that she was tra traumatized. And so she gets in touch with the rape crisis or one of those counseling ones. And it's spent her, her life since then, bending life. And she felt the only way she could really get rid of her trauma is to talk, talk about it and own it. And she's such a gift such a gift, such a beautiful woman. And she has gifted this to us, the story of her experience. So me adoring any girl. If you could only keep one memory from the past decade, what would it be? Oh, well, I suppose <laughs> walking up the aisle for the inauguration as Michael as president. <laughs> the 11th, the 11th, 2011, an auspicious day, apparently, in the history of the world. Paris Hilton says 11-11 is very lucky. <laughs> um, do you miss acting? Yes. In as much as I've... All of my things of acting so much I do, and I have done a lot for the lockout and for 1916 and, you know, actually being able to be in it. But like I know if I had the experience I have now of the world, I mean, I was an innocent then, I know it would be wonderful if I were back at 20 and knowing what I know now and the things that I think I would have been a great actor. <laughs>
Do you and the president watch box sets or binge watch series? And if so, which ones? Right. Well, now the lockdown had the benefit of that. I don't think we'd ever seen that. I'm watching new television. But we watched Call My Agent and loved it. <laughs> and as just as good as well as if I was at the Cannes Film Festival. It was so good. <laughs> and then I myself, um, the Call the Midwife, loved that. I only discovered lately and I just kept watching every bit, but just marvellous. And I loved Borgman as well, this woman, um, um, Prime Minister in Denmark, I think it was. Mm. So that would be really the, um, well, Mikey watched Call My Agent, but I don't know if he watched Borgman, but he certainly didn't watch Call the Midwife. <laughs> <laughs> I kept watching it. What, what was your biggest disappointment and what did you learn from it? My biggest disappointment was the Iraq war. I just felt it was just such a disaster for the world after the Cold War and the fall of the Union and this then to bring that, uh, uh, the Iraq war on us. There were two illegal wars and there were unilateral actions. Preemptive strike is taken by the United States and Great Britain, Britain without the sanction of the United Nations or the other countries and despite the whole world draping themselves in rainbow colours to stop it. And of course, it has disastrous effects for the world, as we know, the environment with everything and destabilised the Middle East. And we still are living with the consequences of that. So really, the only thing is, as countries, is to trust the United Nations, trust multilateralism, trust sanctions and negotiations. That's all we can learn from it. Did you imagine the life you have now when you were younger? No. <laughs> <laughs> what has been the most formative event, place or person in shaping of your identity? Oh, Deirdre O'Connell in the Stanislavski studio and then the Focus Theatre. But Deirdre O'Connell is like a, she was like a, you know, a miracle come on earth. And the, the what she brought to Ireland, obviously, get accessing our creativity. And it's spread really across all of the, all of the arts and education and everything. So um, definitely, Deirdre O'Connell and Stanislavski Studio and Focus. Yeah. What do you think is a policy blind spot in Irish politics? The what? What do you think is a policy blind spot in Irish politics? Um, I think education. Mm. I think myself, we're, we're, the world is, as we were talking earlier, is so different from young people. And the education, the need has to be that they are from babyhood, grow up with critical thinking, with creativity, with there's a great program that started in a lot of countries now, pedagogy of P for C, which is philosophy which means that they're asking questions and then they're deciding in one of them to discuss and they're all thinking there. So thinking, and they come up with the most extraordinary questions. So the old notion of pouring it out of your glass into their glass is not what's needed. They've got to protect them. I mean, it's so hard. They've got to have such a sense of their own integrity and of their rights and their charter of human rights and how to be able to defend those 
and have confidence and know their boundaries and be able to discuss the things. And, you know, that kind of autonomy, if they are to come, because there's such, such awful pressures on them. I really just feel it's so sad and a plea for sea and creativity. Why do you think Ireland had such social cohesion in terms of how the public responded so responsibly to the pandemic uh, in terms of both adhering to restrictions and also the vaccine take up? What characteristic is that, do you think? Oh, I think we have a lot, a long history of Oslova, Hela and Mary Mish, you know, of cooperation, of kind of supporting and living each other. And then we really have good you know, caring services. And we have, on the other hand, we have the United Nations with the World Health Organization and UNICEF. And we all know that they, they are to be trusted. They are the ones who have all done all of the research into the, all the women's issues and everything. And then when our government and both the opposition and government were all of one voice about it, I just think... It was really just, it was just wonderful response. We, we were wonderful. I hope it stays. Tell us something about Phoenix Park that you don't think people really know about. Now, what people don't know about is if you go up Chesterfield Avenue, the long miles of avenue that runs right through, and up in one place in which there's the Phoenix Monument, and you have the Oris and Uchter on one side and the American Embassy on the other. So this long column is there and it's the Phoenix Monument. But what is on top of that is the Phoenix, the bird, and all of the flames rising up. But it was always done in stone. So mm-hmm. nobody ever knew the bird was up there or the flames. So I said, the Phoenix, we must have it with flames sewn in our technology. So they've put in the fire underneath and it's a fabulous landmark now going through at night. All this beautiful lit up column and the flames up. So Brilliant. that's most people don't know about. What character... Oh, oh, no, it's my go, yeah. What characteristic do you think your children have inherited from you? Well, I'd say now they've... Everything, well, you know, a love of literature and a love of the arts and a love and a compassion and a solidarity and everything. But we've also burdened them and all their <laughs> life choices with a mission, a responsibility for saving the world. <laughs> so all of them, their choices are, are that. But they, they're happiest, but in another way, they are almost blameless. <laughs> They've a lot on, like. <laughs> oh, they're, they're all, they're wonderful. They're wonderful, yeah. What is your favourite poem of your husband's? Sorry? What's your favourite poem of your husband's? Oh, now, while we're talking about my children, I will say my, on making the three decades for Alice Mary, time will never make a boundary that could contain nor space enclose those moments you turned to gold with a light that will always be your own. It is your special gift to see the need for joy, to muster a courage so far beyond the ordinary, to make a friendship something sacred and feel the need to break the silences that mask oppression. 
These are no ordinary achievements. We who were blessed with your presence did not measure it in the time or confine it to any space, nor do we now put boundaries of time or space on all we wish for you. May that which you never measured come back to you in love. May the friendships you cherish multiply. And we are grateful for all those moments of dark and light you shared and placed in our indelible memory. May you never be alone in what you seek. And may you live to see the decades brighten again with hope beyond the darkness of war. And when spirits lift behind banners in all those decades to come, it is the source of the greatest joy to know that you will be there. And in the quiet times too, plotting even greater things for all humanity in ceaseless celebration. First woman of Ireland, Spina Higgins, you're about to uh, get the most profound 30-second question. Thank you so much uh, for, for joining us tonight. It's an honour to, to do our 32 questions with you. We also know that you're, um, you're yourself and your husband are isolating at the moment due to COVID. So I think it's a, um, a real mark of your tenacity that you're still <laughs> joining us tonight. Yeah. The very, very important 30-second question of our 32-question series with Sabina Higgins is, do you own a Michael T. Higgins tea cosy? Uh, I owe dozens of them. <laughs> they keep coming in in the post in all shapes and sizes, and they're all gorgeous. So they're all draped over big glasses and teapots. And they're all having a lovely time together, looking out at me from the <laughs> shelf with different expressions and all, all different thoughts and different postures and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I love them all. <laughs> Sabina Higgins, Jamila Margaret. Thank you. 